Welcome back, everyone. We are back for episode eight of Nicking Around. We have Ethan filling in for James today because James is not with, uh, not with us. He's not dead or anything, <laughs> um, but he wasn't available today. So we were fortunate enough to have Ethan come back on the show. Ethan, how are you doing today, my friend? I know, you know we're, we're, inter- we're entering the All-Star break as of recording. It's February 17th. So uh, All-Star weekend is still ahead of us, but uh, we're coming off of that most recent win against the Hawks. But Ethan, tell us how you're feeling and uh, how you feel about the Knicks. I'm feeling great in general, you know, uh, life's, life's good. And about the Knicks, uh, I think we're definitely uh, uh, trending in a good direction right now. Coming off three straight wins, we got we got the the trade deadline trade for Josh Hart, which we'll discuss uh, for sure. Uh, and it's just, it's just positive vibes around the Knicks. Like you saw the post-game interview, Julius Randle like going on Jalen Brunson, you know, just a lot of positive vibes right now. Yeah, I can say for sure that this team has, if we're looking at where we want it to be at the All-Star break, not just saying, you know, relative to expectations previous of uh, before the season started or relative to expectations, you know, when this team wasn't playing well a lot earlier in the year, uh, but just in general, like if you were to tell me, okay, you know, playing the Sixers twice, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Heat, you know, really playing all these tough teams without Mitchell Robinson that you'd go, well, I think they're eight and six, uh, you know, now that they've beaten the Hawks since Mitchell Robinson's been hurt. I would take that because he was such a big, I mean, I feel like some people kind of underrate just how good Robinson is defensively, especially, I mean, he's, he's ridiculous defensively. Um, and he's a huge part of this team and they figured out a way uh, to keep a flow. And a big part of that has been Isaiah Hardenstein has stepped up, right? He went from a guy, uh, you know, I think you posted this, the the clip of, you know, his numbers before and after that quote, where he says, he knows he's not playing well in New York and he's got to do better. Um, so, you know, his, yeah. Uh, I think that was, I honestly, like it's, it's kind of, it was poetic timing. I think I'm happy to see him turn around. I know you and I were huge on hardest sign that addition coming into the uh, season. And it, at first it didn't look like it was going to play out well, that we were going to have to move him or whatever it may be. And now, I mean, it's very clear that when Mitchell Robinson comes back, that's our backup big. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, the, there was things that like he was dealing with like a, a leg injury early in the season. So maybe that had something to do with it. He's also uh, since that quote, or like maybe even maybe th- this even dates back before that he's given up on taking threes. Cause I know like that was something that was talked about like before the season of like in a very small volume, he shot well from three last year. And then he came into this year, like taking a bunch of threes and he shot like 20% from three, which was just like ridiculous. Uh, uh, given up on that he's playing hard he's playing like the player that we wanted him to be uh he's getting rebounds uh he's making smart decisions he's kind of like you can kind of see on the court like he's becoming like a leader of the second unit uh which is why i think tibbs likes keeping him as the as the backup and starting sims as of now uh and he's just he's just been a, a very underrated part of the recent nick stretch keeping afloat with mitchell robinson out and yeah, he, I mean, there's really not much more to say. This is the play, uh, the last like, however, so many games, fifteen-ish games. He's been the player that we thought we were getting, and I'm really happy to see him play this well. Yeah, and I feel like the last three wins for the Knicks, which is the last three games they've played, uh, I, I feel like that's kind of been like Josh Hart comes into the team now. You know, Hardenstein had a great game, I think, against the Hawks, especially on the interior. Uh, he was just, I mean, he was he was a force. I mean, he was a brick wall out there. 
Uh, but you see the addition of Josh Hart to this team. The, the, I mean, obviously, Josh Hart is not going to be averaging 19 points a game on, you know, ridiculous, unbelievable efficiency, right, or anything like that. Uh, but I, I think it's more so not just the points per game or whatever maybe. I think it's all the other stuff, that the playmaking, uh, being a great rebounding guard defensively, right? I, I think he excels at all the things that kind of the Knicks needed some help in. And I don't know if you feel the same way as me. I think this is a really under this is going to, we're going to look at this as one of the best acquisitions any team could have made at the deadline relative to like the price they gave up. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, there, so I think like, you know, I, he had the one game uh, against Brooklyn where he scored 27. Uh, I believe that was like his season high and like stuff. Like, I don't think you can expect him to go out there and score 27 points, but that's not what his game entails. I think, really the other two games in general and then even the what he showed the the against Brooklyn is a fairly accurate representation of what Josh Hart might be able to give you uh he's a he, he's a he's a perfect glue guy for this team and I think you look at his career really he really hasn't played on a team that was like a a really like a serious team if that makes sense in some regards like it's been a lot of either the team wasn't that good like his early years on the Lakers like his first year they were bad his second year on the Lakers I believe that was the year they first signed LeBron uh and that was just a dysfunctional year then he goes to the Pelicans you know the Pelicans were a young team they were still figuring things out then the Pelicans the one year that you know Zion was going to be healthy the second half of the year he gets shipped off to Portland they're all dysfunctional they have a lot of dysfunctional things going on they fired their coach this past offseason and now he comes to the Knicks you know, he's with he's with his college teammate Jalen Brunson, uh, a team that's looking to looking to cement themselves in the playoff race. Uh and he's you're you're really just able to see like like how how valuable he can be to a team like this. Uh, you know, like he he's aggressive on defense, but smart. Uh he's a great playmaker. He's really one of the best rebounding wing slash guards in the league. Uh he just does all the little things for for your team and I just think he's uh, he's been an integral part the, the, the his first three games here. We've won all three games. And like the Utah game, for example, that's a game that earlier in the season, maybe without him, that's a, the type of game that we're talking about. Like, how did we blow this game? Like we were winning and we just blew it at the end, but not with Hart. In the last two games, we just totally dominated with him. Uh, I, I really think that this is going to be a great addition and I'm really excited for uh, to see – uh, for him to be a Nick for the rest of this year and hopefully beyond this year. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's not like he's like an older, like, yes, he's an older player relative to the roster because I believe he's 27 turning 28 uh, or he might, or no, yeah, he's 27 turning 28 in. That makes him like the Bucks. second oldest player on the roster. Right. But like relative to an NBA player, he's not re remarkably old, especially for the role he plays. I feel like a lot of his game relies more on, uh, you know, being a smart basketball player, being a very intelligent basketball player, being at the right spot at the right time. Um, and defensively as well, I feel the same way. Though athletic, I think athletically he might be a little underrated just because there are certain plays he'll make. He'll certain drives to the basket where you're like, is this a guy like – I, I think a lot of people anticipated he would just kind of sit on the corner on offense and, and do nothing and then play a role on defense. But that is not the case. I think it was Brooklyn, maybe, where we saw yeah, him the, play the point the a little Simmons bit. Pass. Yeah, not, not, I'm not talking. I wasn't, I was going to reference that. He, I think he played the point for like a set for one play or a couple plays where he we took the ball up the court. Uh, but yes, that Ben Simmons play was absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's just everywhere, right? Yeah, he's everywhere. Like, truly, like, 
Uh, th that was just a, a four point swing that was totally like no one else had any contributions to that. That was a it was a great pass by Simmons that could have very easily led to a very easy transition three. And then he just takes the ball off the court the other end and just drives right to the rim and finishes total four point swing that like sometimes people are like, oh, this is a four point swing. But like it's generated by like a couple players. That was just all him. Like yeah. no one else had anything to do with that. And it, it's one of those things where I think the Knicks just needed someone that wasn't because they are they already have, you know, Brunson and Randall are very clearly these two this this team's two primary scorers. They're gonna have a high usage rate and deservingly so. Like those two guys have been remarkable on the offensive side of the ball this year. Um, but if you look at some of the things that they weren't doing so well, and it was kind of getting the ball around the court, uh defensively, not that they were lacking, but without Mitchell Robinson. It was definitely looking a lot worse uh, over that for, over that stretch without Mitch Rob and prior to this three game winning streak, and Josh Hart adds a level of defense, adds some extra rebounding flicks on some of the boards. Again, not having Mitchell Robinson hurts in that regard. You, you know he helps a lot. He helps you a lot in that regard with getting more boards. Uh, you know having uh, better playmaking on your team. You know he's not starting, and there you can argue maybe he should start, maybe he shouldn't. Uh, but I feel like just kind of the minute usage for him has been perfect. If you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, he's there to close games. And that's really, honestly, that's what I care about more than if he's there in the opening six minutes. You know, um, I think he works well with kind of whoever you surround him with. Uh, but he's kind of the perfect guy to pair with two guys and in the final uh, minutes of the fourth quarter, two guys like Randall and Brunson, who, you know, they're going to take a lot of shots. You know, they're going to, um, you know, if they get an open look, they're going to shoot. Right. And you don't and you can kind of just throw hard in there and he's and he's got great synergy with them. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, uh, like we, we saw like Brunson, like how happy he was to have him, to have him on the team. I think, I think he's just a guy that players are going to love playing with because he's, uh, he, he does the little things for your team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of said everything that I wanted to say. Uh, I mean, the second unit was also just like we we had a heart like besides quickly he was really the only guy that we could look at to score the ball and another uh, Josh Hart does give you the ability to be able to he 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 is able to like do things to score the ball which like again like there was games that like we'd get like zero points in the second unit besides quickly uh and I think like you I, I talked about like how the Blazers like I feel like they like you know they've had some dysfunction. I feel like this year they didn't fully know how to use him a little bit. They tried to use him too much as like a strictly a glue guy that like played defense and like got rebounds, but he can definitely uh, score, like go on, go on streaks. Like we saw in the Brooklyn game where he's able to score the ball a lot. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just, uh, I think he was really the perfect addition to this team. There's like, I, I really couldn't think of anyone else that for, at least, especially for the price that would have fit this fit this team better and I frankly think I think he fits any team yeah absolutely and you know looking at you mentioned quickly you know I've, I mentioned Brunson and Randall a little bit there but you know quickly I think lately has really like uh, Brunson's obviously been like ever since the all-star roster came out he's been uh, otherworldly but Emmanuel quickly has been really really good over the last like what two months at this point if you look at his season numbers now, it's the best true shooting percentage of his career, if I'm not mistaken. He's finally kind of broken the, you know, 
over 40% field goal percentage. And not that quickly wasn't a good offensive player before this, but I feel like this is the best offensive version of Emmanuel quickly. Um, I think that he deserves a lot more six man of the year hype than, he, than he's getting outside of New York. Um, quite frankly, he's a, gr- he's a really, really, really good basketball player. I, he's a great basketball player. I, I stuttered on it. Great. I was like, is he great? Really? He, he's a great, he's a great basketball player for this team. Yeah. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, it's the, the same thing happened this year as last year. It was like the first 10 or so games, every Knicks fan in the world feel it's like they're, they're ready to jump ship on Emmanuel quickly. And then you just give it time when the numbers are right where you want them to be. You yeah. know, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, but... no, no, no. I was, I wanted you, I know you love quickly. So I needed you to get involved. Yeah, I, I, I love quickly. Uh, I think the, the big thing with quickly is like even early in the year when he when he's struggling shooting the ball, maybe he's even making a bad decision once in a while. He for the last three years now, he has been the highest like on, he has the highest on off rating on the Knicks. And people his first year tried to shake it up to like, oh, you know, he was playing behind like Alfred Payton, like that's natural. Last year was like a similar thing, like oh, he's playing in the second unit. The second unit's just better. Now this is the third year in the row. He just consistently does things like I talked we talked about this with Josh Hart Emmanuel quickly is a guy that just consistently does things on especially on offense and the defense has improved tremendously as well uh consistently on offense does little things that makes you a better team and uh you you mentioned the six year man of the year hype I mean like besides like Brogdon at this point I really I really think quickly I unless I'm missing someone which I very well might be. He might be like the second leading contender in my eyes. Yeah, my, what I do usually, if I'm not like a hundred percent caught up, if I think I'm missing anyone, I just pull up the six man of the year odds because usually they've yeah. got a decent. So DraftKings is minus one seventy for Brogdon. Uh, Maxi's at uh, plus four hundred. I, I forgot. I forgot Maxi's coming off the bench, but even he has struggled a little bit. Uh, not not trying to slander, but he has struggled a little bit. I think it's possible that quickly finishes ahead of him. Possible. Now I'm trying to see if this is. Uh, there's updated. Bobby Portis. I, I I thought there was a I thought there was a big man that was that that was also a candidate, but he's been hurt recently, so I'm not sure. Anyways, gotcha. I think I think he should get more shouts than he's got than he's getting. I'm trying to see because these are man. The, I don't know if these odds are like preseason. Perhaps that's why. Um, but it has the the new. Uh, I'm trying. I'm seeing trying to find recent ones because. This one has him at plus 20,000 behind guys like Russell Westbrook, Jordan Poole. And I just don't think that, like, I mean, there's no way that, I mean, what, no, that we have recent ones. And he's I mean, still it, plus 20,000. It's yeah, I, that, it's, that's it's crazy. Terrible. Especially if you mentioned that Maxi's in those odds, I'd imagine that they're fairly recent because it was a, it's a fairly recent thing that he's been coming off the bench. That, that, that's crazy to me. I, I mean, yeah. I get, I get. I get that to some degree, it's become a little bit of a PPG award, and he's averaging like 13 points a game. Uh, but even Brogdon's only averaging like 15. Uh, but he, of course, he's more impactful than just like averaging 15 points a game. Yeah, if you want uh, to, that's crazy to me. If you want to try to convince me, Jordan Poole has been better than Emmanuel quickly this year. Um, I I don't know what I I would just assume that you don't really know the game of basketball. So, I mean, I get you're right. Sixth man of the year kind of just. Yeah, like I, I, I mean, award. Jordan Poole is averaging like, like, I think like 20 points a game. Yeah. So it makes sense just based off the criteria. Uh, but I would definitely argue that Emmanuel quickly has been more impactful to the Knicks than Jordan Poole has uh, and contributed more to winning basketball 
uh, than Jordan Poole has to the Warriors. Yeah, I think the best way to put it is that quickly may not rank as well as we as quite frankly he should rank in the award. Um, but in terms of if we were to to go into next year and and kind of grade out all the or rank out a list of all the six men in basketball, quickly is one of the best you can have, right? Um, and that's one of the like that as a draft pick, that is such a home run draft pick. I, I don't like that is a late first round pick that turns into one of your best players and one of the best six men you could have in basketball. That's I think that's a real that that's ended up yeah, being and really good again, player. he's only 23 and he's right. gotten better at different aspects of the game each of the last three years. I think like one thing I've been like thinking about recently, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, is I think like a lot of people that watch like baseball and basketball, they tend to see like typically in baseball players come up like when they're ready. Whereas in basketball, you just kind of get drafted and then you're drafted. Uh, it's you're you're far from a finished you're far from a finished product like when you're just drafted. And this again, this is a guy that contributed heavily onto a team that was the four seed as a rookie, uh, and he's just gotten better since then. Yeah. I mean, I remember when he was like a defensive liability, when he was just not that good of a defender. And you'd be like, oh, well, you know, the defense, you know, they were, they were, I mean, it's like, oh, Peyton provides defense for this Knicks team. That's their identity. And, and that's why he's in the starting lineup. Like that would like, I, I he's come such a, a far away defensive. I think that's such an important part of this conversation here with quickly. And, you know, whether I, I, I know that there's always that thought of what if he starts, but I think the six man role is perfect for him. Um, as long as he's playing, yeah, definitely minutes in the for now, quarter, especially with how the team's constructed, right? And end of the day, as long as again he's playing important minutes in the fourth quarter, I'm fine with his role if he's not as a six man, I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, yeah. and the kind of the catalyst, uh, he's been one of the big catalysts here, but I, I'd say. I mean, we can't really talk about the Knicks and talk about the, and have this podcast at where at the time we are right now and not talk about Jalen Brunson, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's been unbelievable lately and his season numbers are no longer like just pretty good. And you're like, Hey, the, the Knicks, you know what? He's worth his contract. It's like the Knicks got an underpay here. The Knicks are underpaying Jalen Brunson right now. You know? Absolutely. I mean, since the, since 2023, since the new year, He's been the best guard in basketball besides like Dame. Like it's he's literally been like the second best guard in basketball. Uh uh and I mean he's just been he's just been ridiculous. And like last game like I really thought to myself like it didn't feel like he like went off and like got and like had a tremendous game just casually getting 28 points, 5 assists on good shooting like just casual like he he shot like one of 6 from 3, still managed to get 28 points on good efficiency. Yeah, he's be and one thing that's come along for him a lot uh, in that in that stretch into New Year's a three point shot. He has been a sniper from three. I mean, I remember his three point percentage kind of like earlier in the season. Like he was ha he had good numbers to start the year. It's not like he started off slow, but the three point shooting wasn't there yet, right? You're like, oh, his three point shooting's taking a step back. Maybe that's the increased volume. Maybe that's just kind of what Brunson's going to be now. I mean, it dropped off from 2021 to 2022. No, he is the best version of himself from three that he's been in his entire career. Not just because you're adjusting for volume, just straight up three point percentage. In terms of his true shooting percentage, he's improved from last year. Um, I mean, this is a guy who's increased his volume uh, and increased his scoring load, and has improved his efficiency in every sense. Really, every statistic except for two point percentage uh, and free throw rate, which is right around where it is last year. Thirty eight, eighty three point eight percent versus eighty four percent. Come on, you know that's 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 not not negligible. That's negligible. 
So Jalen Brunson, you know, he was paid as what? I believe like the 50th, somewhere around that range. Because I remember tweeting this like a he million times. He was like the times. 15th, like when it comes to point guards. Yeah, 15th I think when it comes higher. to point guards. Right. Um, somewhere around that range, 14th, 15th. And he's undoubtedly been, I think, a top 10 point guard this year. Um, it, I, I think we're past the point of he's a good player. And we're past that point. We're past that point. He's not just a pretty good player to have on your team. He is a really, really good scorer, an excellent point guard. He's, he's what this team needed. Yeah, I, I, I'm, about, I'm about to look up exactly where he ranks among highest paid players. Uh, he ranks... Uh, he ranks uh, 52nd in the highest rate paid players in the league, uh, if this is right. So, I mean, I definitely think he's been a top 50 player this year. Uh, should be an all-star topic for another uh, topic for another time, uh, I guess. But, I mean, just really since the, since the all-star break, I mean, uh, or since the new year, I don't know. I said All Star break. Uh, he's just—I mean, you—you've said it. He's just been phenomenal, and he's—he's he's kept getting better in the year. Like it started, like you mentioned, like this isn't just like an oh, he's a solid player to have on your team anymore. Like he started out the year where you were saying like oh, that like that's probably the case. He's just a solid player to have on your team. You know, he was giving us like 19, 20 points uh, consistently. And he just continued to get better. He started playing like an all-star. Now he's playing like a damn near superstar. Uh, and I'm not saying that like he's going to like be a superstar, but he's definitely more than just a good player. The, the dude is a, a bona fide stud. Yeah. When we kind of look at, you know, roles on a very, like a very good team. Like if you look at like a one seed or two seed, right. Jalen Brunson's a number two on a very, very, very good basketball team. Not just like a team that like, you know, there are those, high ranking seeds that you kind of feel like they're like fake good like i feel like those some of those jazz teams that were like either like third or second in terms of record you're like they're good but they're not going to win the finals you know what i mean they're kind of a regular season team right i i don't think jalen brunson's the number two on a regular season team i I don't think that's what we're talking about i think he's you know i think he's a number one on a team that like 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 what we're doing now he's like a I mean, I, I realistically, we're not going to like win the finals, but I mean, right. like we're a team that can like compete in the playoffs. And he's the number one on this team. Right. You're not like, if you are one of the higher seeds, you're not looking like if you're um Cleveland, right. You're not looking at the Knicks and going, this is going to be easy. Like we're going to literally, like we're going, this is a, this is warm up. You know what I mean? Like if I'm facing one of those play in teams and I imagine it'll be like the heat and uh if if the standings were if things were to end season were to end today I'm not saying the Knicks are 100% going to be um the sixth seed you know things happen right that you could you could end up losing some very close games or whatever uh but if you're facing like the Hawks or the Wizards or the Raptors and you're the Celtics or you're the Bucks like realistically that's a warm-up round you know what I mean realistically yeah. like you're no one's no you're not losing to that team right like, it's not even like, a, oh, this would be a really, like, this could be a fun upset. Like, this is, it's just not happening. Basketball is kind of the, one of the only sports where you can sit back and say, this team is 100% losing to that team in this round. The Knicks are not that type of first, uh, that that type of uh, first round matchup for a team like the Cavs. Um, the 76ers, I think, are kind of in between the Cavs and the Bucks and Celtics in that sense, where I don't yeah. think they're, a, I don't think they're like, a hundred percent. Like every, if you, the Nick, they played the Knicks in a series a hundred times, they would win a hundred times. But if they played the Knicks a hundred times, they would beat us more than the Cavs would, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So uh, I think you're right about Jalen Brunson in the sense that he can, he can, him going off in a series can beat the Cavs. 
like, and get you to the second yeah. round. And if the Knicks get into the second round somehow, I mean, that's there's no way you can't call this a successful season. There's there's no way, you know. Yeah, and I know you. I know you talked about like the situation with uh, like the standings. I think when you look at the standings, not to get too off topic, but uh, I really think that this team. Look, like, I'll put it this way. I think if the Knicks get a top six seed, we're in a good position. Because, uh, like, you look at, like, realistically where the Knicks can land, it's ranging from seven to maybe, like, maybe there's a shot that we get four. I talked about that on, like, uh, with, like, a few friends. But I, I don't think we're going to get four. But, like, five is definitely possible at this point. Uh, like, very possible. Because all we'd have to do is stay ahead of Miami and pass Brooklyn. I really don't see Brooklyn and Miami and I don't want to jinx unless, you know, injuries can happen or whatnot. I don't see, cause I think we're better than the heat, especially in the regular season. You look at the heat. Uh, they have a good record. They're only a half game behind us, but they've really struggled to beat like, like they, they like they've struggled against like the rockets and stuff. I think we're definitely better than the heat. Uh, and they didn't do anything at the deadline. They trade like Dwayne Dedman. Uh, whatever. Uh, and the Nets, obviously the Nets are kind of a wild card, but we showed that we just totally were able to outclass and outperform the Nets. And I don't even think the Knicks played particularly well, like Jalen Brunson went off, but I don't think like the Knicks cohesively even had their best game against the Nets. We just totally like out like star powered them to some extent, I guess you could say. Uh, so I, I, I personally think that the Knicks are going to finish as the five seed right now. But I think as long as we finish as a six seed, because like if we finish as a six or five seed, we either face the Cavs or Sixers most likely, and either one of those like uh, could finish as the four, uh, could finish as the four uh, or three seed. So I don't, I don't think there's a huge difference as long as the Knicks avoid the play, in which I do think we will do. Yeah, I think a huge underrated aspect of this deadline uh, was the Nets obviously taking a massive step back by trading Kyrie and KD. You know, Bridges is a, I think Bridges is a good player, but obviously not of the elk of KD or Kyrie. Um, and then the Heat not doing anything, right? So you don't have to worry about like there was if they there. I think there were talks about them with like Fred Van Vliet, if I'm not mistaken, or OG Ananobi. They were talked with them in Toronto. Uh, with the Nets or the. the or they... Was it the, did the Heat not have talks with the with Toronto or no? I know the Nets did, but I yeah, I the Nets did, did, especially when they especially when they traded Kyrie. They like think, all right, maybe we can get Van Fleet and just kind of regroup and still can and still like really compete. Which I, again, I don't think the Nets are a pushover, but I also think I don't want to like. I, I think the Nets like there's some thought like I, I had people like telling me that like. The Nets were currently still better than the Knicks, which I just thought was ridiculous. Like the Nets, like they're a good defensive team. They're going to be very pesky. They're going to be annoying to play against. But their their main ball handler is Spencer Dinwiddie, and they have like no one else besides him, besides like Ben Simmons and I guess Cam Thomas. But I don't think like you want Cam Thomas being your lead ball handler. He's a good player, uh, but I think the Knicks are definitely better than both the Heat and the Nets. Uh, we're only two games behind the Nets now. We still play them one time. Uh, and I believe if we beat the Nets the second time, we get the tiebreaker over them. Uh, so, I mean, I, I just think uh, the Knicks are in a good position in the standings. We're the sixth seed right now. We get to go into the all-star break knowing that if the season ended now, uh, we'd be cemented in the playoffs. And 
I think that this team is only going to get better from here. We've seen it. Like the, the year didn't start out so great and we've just continued to get better. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, kind of looking, I mean, the Knicks are going to start off uh, against Washington when they come back. Um, and I, if I'm checking where Miami's playing, Miami will be playing at Milwaukee. So if Milwaukee can do a job there, um, the Knicks could add a little bit of space. The Heat don't have the, the Heat, don't have like it's weird it's not like they have a a ridiculously hard schedule but they don't have like a ridiculously easy schedule either because they have a lot of games um against some of the not the best in the east but some pretty good teams in the east they play us a couple times they play not a couple times play us three times so we kind of can decide our own fate here if we take if we if we handle business which i would say two out of three is handling business because you're up you're up you would at least put them in a position where uh, you put them in a position where you're just gaining space. You you feel good there. The Heat kind of feel like they'd have to sweep to get um, uh, kind of a, a stronghold on that six seed because if they only win two out of three, they push. They only get one extra game on the Knicks. So uh, yeah. the tiebreaker is obviously important there as well. So it's more like two games. But if the Knicks were to sweep, that that completely eliminates any shot. I think of the Heat getting back into the six seed. Uh, but they played Philadelphia two times back to back. Um, not back-to-back days, but back-to-back games. They play Atlanta a few times. They play Cleveland. Um, they play Brooklyn again. They play Dallas. They play Philly to, uh, and Washington, Orlando to end the year. The Knicks have some tough opponents, but outside of their matchups with Boston I and, and a matchup with Denver, I feel pretty good about their chances in any game they play. It's just that, you know, when I look at, like, Boston or Denver, like, they have Jokic, they have Tatum. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I... Not that the Knicks, the Knicks have beaten the Nuggets this year, if I'm not mistaken. They they've beaten Boston as well, but yeah, we beat Boston the Julius Randle smiling right. game. But it's like you know you can't walk into that game and say, not that I mean obviously things in the game can make you disappointed if you don't win, but you can't walk into that game and say if the Knicks don't win today, this team is not that good, right? Like if the Knicks yeah. don't beat the Celtics, the Celtics are supposed they're going to be favored against the Knicks, right? I'm looking at a lot of these matchups here. I think the Knicks are going to be favored in a lot of these games, and that'll be. Um, that'll be fun to watch. It's going to be a fun, I mean, maybe it may not have be a fun ending uh, if we don't end up as a six seed, but in terms of just like fun, competitive basketball, which some is something that is just like, we were missing that last year, kind of that chase for the six seed, that chase for the postseason. It's exhilarating. It's fun. Uh, and and I, I think that this team is, as you mentioned, they're going to continue to play better together as a group. Um, and, you know, one player that I think has kind of been the only guy that hasn't lived up to the potential has been RJ, right? Obviously the defense has kind of been the one thing there. Um, but I have a weird feeling that maybe the all-star break, maybe just some, it feels like it's a mental thing, right? I feel like yeah. when you look at RJ Barrett, the player, we are, I mean, year two, if you look, kind of the outlook on him after year two, he was finally, you know, he took a big leap in efficiency from year one. Defensively, I feel like that's the, been the best version of RJ Barrett. He was a big part. He was the second best player on a team that, as you mentioned, was the four seed, right? Weak East or not, that team was the four seed, right? And they put up a pretty good record. They were a pretty good team. And it's been downhill since then, right? I feel like the offense still, not that it's not, not that it's efficient, but I don't think it's, he's a bad offensive player. I don't think he's even below average as an offensive player. I think a lot of numbers would tell you as a whole, he's an above average offensive player. Even if it's slightly, it's still above average. It's just a defense. And it's such a weird regression because I always felt like that was the thing he had going for him. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I you said you said what I kind of thought. I feel like some of it's mental. I feel like like one thing that you've told me on other topics is that uh progression is not always linear, which I've taken the heart with RJ because he has improved 
throughout like so he took the big leap year two especially like down the stretch of the season he was the he was the consistent second scoring option on a team that was the four seed we had a lot of faith that like he was gonna like uh be a guy that would be like a like an all-star caliber player at some point he was only 20 at that point and he's still only 22 now i'm going into this is just a personal thing i'm going into the all-star break with a clean slate of RJ. He can show me how good or not good or whatever. And I'll, I'll, we, we can discuss like RJ's future. He is a part of this team right now. He's going to be starting for this team. He's being paid to start for this team and he's being paid uh, to be a contributing basketball player to this team. And I, he's shown in the past that he can do this very much. I think, it really was kind of the last five games with RJ that kind of has left a little bit of a sour taste in people's mouth. But even the game against Atlanta, like he shot like 0 for 6 from 3, but especially down the stretch, he was he was getting buckets. Uh, he ended up with 17 points. Uh, I think RJ Barrett will be a good player for this team. Uh, and before that, like before, like because he didn't play – uh, the game against Philly because he was because uh, he was sick that game, correct? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think he had an illness somewhere in there, I believe. Yeah, and he he like didn't play the game. He didn't play well like the game prior to that. I think as well, which caught which then like people were like, oh, here comes like the sickness that like. But you look at like the stretch before that, like since like December, he had been playing like some of some of the best basketball in his career. Uh, from like early, from like early February, uh, I mean, like from uh, from like December to early February, it was some of at least on offense, some of the best basketball in his career. I'm just gonna go in with a clean slate, not not put any crazy expectations, and he can really change the narrative fast. Because uh, I, I I mean I as I mentioned, like the last few games haven't been great for him, and that's leaving a sour taste in our mouths for the all-star break, but he has 20 games now in the regular season to perform 20 plus games, I should say to perform. And hopefully he'll have a good, hopefully he'll have, we'll be playing in a playoff series. And I mean, he can really change the narrative there. Uh, So just a clean slate. And he's a part of this team right now. We can worry about like, I know the, there's really the last year, there's started to become some trade rumors that like we didn't really think would, would happen prior. Uh, but I'm, I'm still optimistic about him. Uh, we've seen the finishing go up. Uh, we've seen, uh, and there's just been moments that it appears like a little bit of a mental lapse. Like there's the, the famous clip against Brooklyn. Uh, but I, I'm, I, I'm still just going to go in with a clean slate and understand that RJ is a young player and there there's room for improvement but we've seen that he's been able to improve it in some facets and i mean the knicks being a good team right now has given him the chance like to work out potentially some of these struggles so i'm again clean slate for for, for him for me I, i'm gonna I, I really don't know what more to say other than that yeah no i mean i agree in the sense that you know it's more, it's about, it feels like about kind of like building momentum, right? End of the day, as you mentioned, he's going to, you know, playoff series, you know, if RJ Barrett plays really well 
and a playoff series. I don't even think this team has to advance in that round for him to ch- change the narrative. If he plays well in this playoff series and has like some, you know, you, you look at tangible progress. Like, I feel like defense is the one thing you can going into next year, assuming he's on the roster, right? You can kind of project to regress in a good direction for him. You can regress that kind of back to his career norms. Um, not that you should go in there and say it's a hundred percent chance to be a positive defender, but if you're going to take an optimistic angle with RJ Barrett, you can say out of all the things that he's struggled with this year, defense feels like the number one thing that is kind of like an outlier. It feels like defense is, it doesn't make sense that he's not uh, that he's such a negative defender, right? Like it, it feels like that's not his true talent level. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a matter of even, you know, he's not capable of, you know, having good defensive instincts, right? I just feel like it's, I, I don't know, defensively, it feels like it's all mental there. Um, you know, whatever work he has to put in over the offseason to kind of get back to where he was in his career norms, I think he can do that. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, I think a, a little bit more of a defined role there would help. Um, you know, RJ Barrett's kind of been at times relegated to spot shooting, um, and not saying that RJ, this is like a, like the scheme is why RJ Barrett's underperformed. I think that maybe you can argue the scheme hasn't been great for him or his role hasn't been great for him. Um, but a lot of, you know, for defensively, I don't think role or scheme has a lot to do with it, but offensively, I think you can argue that dry getting more looks to the basket, driving more to the basket that could perhaps help him. Um, you know, he, he's someone who does kind of not need the ball in his hand at all times, but he can't be sitting in the corner. It feels like it feels almost in a weird sense, kind of like there RJ Barrett, if a couple of things, if he just, if there were just a couple of, of adjustments he can make over this all-star break that he can kind of go on that role where he is that player that you've um, always wanted him to be. And, you know, obviously I don't think Knicks fans are sitting here and saying the potential for RJ Barrett now, uh, or the expectation for RJ Barrett is to progress into becoming that number one option, the way you thought he could be, you know, on draft day, but just be a good player, right? You know, is it hard? Is it crazy to say that RJ Barrett can play that, you know, being a, um, you know, being that glue, being a glue guy for a starting lineup, right? I don't think that's crazy to ask of him. I really don't. Not at all. I mean, like a a comparison that was made like during his rookie year and even his second year, that was almost uh, used as a criticism to him that now you can almost look at as like a, a really tangible path to where he can, uh, to where he can become is Andrew Wiggins. I mean, you look at Andrew Wiggins, he was a guy that like had, had some trouble here and there, like whatnot. Uh, and he's been compared to RJ before, but you know, he was, he just kind of settled into his role and he's become a very valuable player now. So uh, I mean, I, I think that that's a comparison that that's a career path that could be very possible for our, like very possible for RJ that I think at this point that I don't want to say like at this point, like in the sense of that I'm giving up, but like at this point would be uh, a good thing for the Knicks that if he could settle into something like that. Yeah. Getting, uh, you know, a solid, you know, just a solid offensive player who contributes uh, when needed, you know, if a star, if one of your top score, your two top scoring guys are out, uh, can take on a bigger load, but most importantly, just be, uh, you know, one of the defensive anchors for your team. And if you notice, Wiggins takes that leap the second he enters kind of a competent organization. I don't think the Knicks are too far off uh, in terms of just how the front office has operated, um, you know, in recent years, kind of how they've been able to, um, you know, get, you know, kind of adjust roles for different guys or identify, you know, yes, this guy's young, but quite frankly, 
he's not probably going to take that leap. We should move him or he's not going to take that leap. We probably shouldn't feature him in the offense as much. Like I know a lot of people were disgruntled with Reddish and, and Toppin's role, but I think the Knicks properly identified that there are better players on the team. Um, you know, with RJ, I think this organization just needs to fig- just needs to identify a way to identify what that role is for RJ Barrett. And that minimized role, uh, I say minimized, again, not trying to like put in a negative connotation, but to just kind of give him more of a, def- a def- definition of what his job is in this starting lineup could definitely give him something to flourish in. I feel like, again, like what what is RJ Barrett in this lineup? He's not your number one scoring option. He's not your number two scoring option. He's not your primary defender. That's Grimes. Um, and then, so like, it's kind of like, what is RJ Barrett for the team? He's not going to be your three and D guy. Like that doesn't, that's not RJ Barrett, right? That's, that's Quinn. That's Quinn Grimes kind of taking on that role. I feel like he could maybe be a little bit more than that, but for now that's his role. Um, it doesn't feel like RJ Barrett has that kind of like typical um, defined role that you you kind of just assume with a bat- basketball player. Like Toppin's very clearly shifted from a post player to a spot up shooter. Right. And you can argue that maybe, you know, he should be more involved in the offense or whatever, but at least know what his role is. Like he sits in the, you know, behind the arc and he's there to uh, catch a, an open look three. You know what I mean? I don't know what RJ Barrett's role necessarily is right now. Um, and I think that's hurting him as much as it is hurting uh, the starting lineup. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's still time to figure stuff, st- stuff, Sorry, had a voice crack, but uh, still time to figure stuff out like that. Uh, still 20 games in the season. You know, the, the Knicks have had injuries throughout the year, which has caused, uh, you know, uh, like Randall's played all the games, but Brunson was hurt for a while. Grimes was hurt to start the year. Uh, quickly even missed the game, even though he's been pretty durable. Uh, I just think that I, I don't want to spend like too much time harping on it, but I mean, like RJ, like after the first, a- after the f- the year we made the playoffs in the COVID season, I think people had like the expectation. Some of some of it, like the expectation that RJ would be this like 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 consistent All Star player, came from the fact that we kind of we almost kind of felt like we needed him to be that. Whereas now, like you know, we have Brunson, we have other young players, uh we kind of have a more defined thing. I think RJ just, he's a very talented player. He has a lot of skills. Uh, He's proven he can be a good player. I just think he just, you know, just be, just be a good player. Like, I don't, I don't think there, I don't think he needs to be anything more than just a good player to contribute to this team. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the end of the day, this team has, I think put together a really strong roster for a team that doesn't have a super, superstar level player. Like we're talking, you know, the number one, like a Jokic or a Tatum or anything like that. They don't have that right now. Um, but I think they've put together, they're kind of like at that level where you're reaching, you're, you're starting to climb towards what the ceiling of a team can be uh, when they don't have that, like, all, you know, really just unbelievable um, you know, player on your roster. Um, and, you know, obviously that's always going to be discussion with the Knicks because it's New York, you know, every, every, every conversation is going to be centered around that. Um, but end of the day, uh, I, I think you, you put it perfectly. RJ Barrett just needs to be a good player for this team. Uh, however, that has to happen. However, that role, whatever that role is, he's one capable of it because you mentioned, he's a very skilled player. And two, um, it would, it would go very long way at this team because quite frankly, they have a lot of really good pieces in place. I can't wait to get Mitch healthy again. I really can't. I, I think that 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 right there, I, I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, uh, you know, but where it's like getting him back if the, while this team is surging, 
I mean, it just kind of like with 20 games to go, a postseason, uh, a postseason, at least whether it's a playoff, a play in game or whatever it may be, a postseason game um, ahead or a, a high stakes game is definitely in our future. Um, having having a guy like that is definitely going to play a huge role. I feel like defensively, this team is was a little bit weak before um, because of injuries, but with Mitch. Josh Hart, obviously, Hardenstein stepping up. I feel like this team's getting a little bit more of a defensive identity. Um, and they're kind of like a souped-up version of that COVID team. If you took that COVID team um, and you just made them a modern basketball team, I feel like that's what this team looks like, if I'm not – if I'm, I think I'm not too mistaken here. Yeah, uh, kind of how I've thought of it is I've kind of thought this team is kind of what we hoped last year's team would be. We're like – we had the COVID year. We overperformed undoubtedly. Uh, but it was a, like a fun team, but wasn't going to do anything. We got exposed in the playoffs. We go into next year. We add Kemba. We add Fournier. We bring back Rose. We bring back Noel. We bring back the pieces that were contributing to last year's team. We bring back Burks. Like, uh, we basically bring back everything that wasn't a problem the last year. Cause like Bullock, for example, who was a good player for that team, but we bring in Fournier who can like be, be more of a scoring option, create his own shot type player, which was something that we kind of lacked because in the playoffs, like it, like we, we were starting Elford Payton for the first game and the second game actually. Uh, and then Payton and then Mitt and then Noel actually, but Mitch is the same way of, it was three guys that like couldn't really create their shot for anything. And really only Randall was the guy that could like consistently create looks for himself and for others. Uh, and, and it just, uh, and then we go into next year, like we bring in all the, we bring in Kemba and Fournier to give us a little more of like a punch. Uh, and it just didn't work out. I think the Knicks, they structured their contracts well that if it didn't work out, like you look at it now, like Noel and Burks were, were traded for, like we, we attached, we trade two second round picks to get rid of both of them. And we got a second round pick back. Really no, no harm, no foul. Uh, Fournier, we, you know, he, he's a professional. We were able to bench him really doesn't affect this too much. He's making a lot of money, but, we, uh, but we, the team's still surging right now. We were able to draft well to, to replace Kemba was a little bit of a different story. We ended up having, but I feel like that it kind of became a little bit of a mess that like, that like, we just kind of had to, had to deal with. And so we were just like, fine, take four second round picks, but we structured it well that, if that team didn't work out, we would be able to reevaluate and reassess. We realized that the young guys we had, Grimes, even McBride was a was a contributor on defense, uh, and I believe still has some uh, unlocked, uh, unlockable traits on offense. Uh, which uh, obviously, with Hart, he's he no longer plays uh, for the time being. Uh, you know, we add Jalen Brunson. We add a guy that in the playoffs showed that he is can be a guy that can take over a game. Uh, and this this year's team has kind of just been like I that was a long tangent, but this year's team has kind of been what we hoped last year's team would be. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you, I think first off, I I love when you go on a tangent because you, I think you're able to explain a lot uh, basketball concepts a lot better than I can. As you know, I'm more of like, I come from more of a baseball background. So basketball is one of those things where not that I don't watch basketball or anything like that. I mean, I only really watch the Knicks like daily. Right. But, you know, I feel like with baseball, I have, I can, I can like, like, yeah, you know, this team's good. That team's good. This roster is good. This guy's definitely really good. I feel like 
you know, you, I'm more of like a basketball, I'm more of like a Knicks fan than I am like a basketball fan, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, you know, and end of, end of the day, like, as you put it, you know, this team made, this team, I think, quickly identified the guys that were, um, that they, they quickly identified that what happened last year couldn't happen again. They couldn't just run it back. Right. And I think that's something that the, front, the direction the front office took um, that was important. I think this deadline, the direction the front office took of just, you know, we need to get that glue guy. They knew that they weren't, I mean, yes, there were stars available. It was Katie and Kyrie, but those guys were like, come on. Like it yeah. would, if you're a Knicks fan. And then that's like, where I'm training with us anyway. Right. There's no way. And if there any, if there's any truth to the Laker report that they weren't going to train to Lakers, why would Joe Sig like, you know what though? I'm willing to send them like 30 minutes away in Manhattan. That's what I'm willing to do. You know what I mean? Like, come on, let's be serious, guys. And again, yeah. who are we gonna offer that was going to be like, yeah, we want him over my over Bridges, man? That's now that's a player. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and Bridges, Johnson, uh, right. and four first round picks. Like, come on, you know? Yeah. Like I, I mean, I'm I. Not only were they not in the running, but I mean, the offer was just like you'd have to put something. You'd have to offer something better than that to even get a conversation going. But yeah. the Knicks, like that, that type of like change your ceiling player dramatically wasn't available for the Knicks, and they still found the way to improve without sacrificing a bunch of assets. They traded a first round pick. The first round pick is, I mean, if the Knicks somehow fall into the lottery, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, right? That then the pick will turn into then you know the Knicks get their pick back, but it's a it's going to be a, a non lottery first for a player yeah. that the Knicks are going to have exclusive uh, exclusive negotiating rights with, and then Josh Hart I think likes New York enough that if the Knicks give him the co- contract, um you know he's looking for something close to it he'll take it he's not he's not a guy that you're giving 120 something million dollars to or anything like that you know it's it's not going to be super expensive to retain him he's a really good glue guy for this team. And the Knicks found a way to improve, whereas last year it was like the huge disappointment, the Woj tweet where the Knicks did nothing this deadline, um, you know, or like the Knicks aren't making, aren't expected to make any trades, whatever it may be. That was disappointing at the time because the team was like just whatever. Kind of spiraling and yeah. they didn't have a clear direction. And now I feel like it's, you know what, we're going to improve. We're going to improve at the right cost. And we're just kind of slowly, like we're going to keep building towards, you know, something better, whether it's in the off season, whether it's next trade deadline, whatever it may be. But I feel like Leon Rose has found a way to improve the team consistently with while also building up assets. You may mention all the tr- seconds we traded. If you look at the Knicks pick list right now, they have they have to just start getting rid of picks at this point. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, not that they should just hand out picks like a charity or anything like that. But if the Knicks, if that first, I mean, isn't there a clause where the first round pick can turn into four seconds? I think it's if the Knicks fall into the lottery. Which yeah, is if the Knicks fall into the lottery, it's four seconds. I don't think that's going to happen, but... I mean, if the Knicks were to lose four seconds, you like we traded four seconds for with Kemba, like, and we just like yeah. I, I didn't even remember that. You know what I mean? This yeah. team is stacked on draft assets, so, um, you know, if this team can continue to play well, if this team goes into the offseason, oh my bad, uh, if this team, if the team continues to play well, if they um it, with Leon Rose at the helm, I feel pretty confident that they are going to continue to make those good basketball decisions. Yeah, uh, definitely. And another thing is people were like, because people heard like a 2023 first, something that people freaked out, like absolutely lost their bananas about was like, oh, how do we trade our own first round pick? Why not the Mavericks? Now the Mavericks first round pick is 18th and we're 22nd. And people cited like the Kyrie trade as a reason why the Mavs pick would be, w- w- would get like worse. But the truth is I the the, the Mavs trade, Dinwiddie and Finney Smith uh, 
And I'm not, uh, which were two like key players for them. And I'm not saying that the Kyrie trade makes them worse. Obviously not. But I do think, I don't think it makes them that much better of a regular season team, if that makes sense. I think it brings them in the conversation of a team that can like win a pl- win a playoff series or two, which like maybe before they weren't. I don't really think it makes them a better regular season team. So I actually, th- I think there's a very good shot that the Knicks own pick uh, is a lot more, is at least if not a lot worse than the Mavs pick. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think the Knicks, they just, uh, you know, Tib, t- uh, you know, people make fun of Tibbs a lot. And like, I-, I understand and like criticize him. He's not perfect. You mentioned like playing Alfred Payton, like in the COVID season, like what are we doing here? Uh, but he's also not, not, not an idiot. And I think uh, like, like, he's also not like total, totally incompetent when it comes to the sport of basketball. And I think he reckoned, I think you heard that he really wanted Josh Hart. Josh Hart actually, when he was a free agent, he ended up re-signing with the Pelicans. He talked about how, how he, he was on like a pot. He, I think he was on like JJ Reddick's podcast. He was just talking about teams that he think could be like a good fit for him. He mentioned the Knicks because of Tibbs that he said that he felt he would fit good with Tibbs. And we've seen with Brunson, uh, they obviously have a good relationship. I think just think Josh Hart's a guy that players will love to play with. Uh, and we have his bird rights, which means that we wouldn't have, we, if we want, if we didn't trade for him and we wanted to sign him this offseason, we'd either need to clear cap space or make a sign in trade to be able to acquire him. Uh, now we can just sign him for however much we want, uh, whatever it takes to keep him. I'm not saying that we should sign him for a max contract, but, you know, 15 to 20 million. Keep, keep him around for as long as for as uh, for as long as possible. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you mentioned this with Tibbs. Like I, I've criticized Tibbs, but end of the day, do we want to? If he, is he the worst basketball coach in the NBA? No, he's not the worst coach no. in the NBA. You know, he's a, he, he can't. He's won Coach of the Year two times in a row. He's not. He he makes dumb. He makes dumb, frustrating things once in a while. But he's not like. There's a re like again. Like you mentioned, like the Knicks, like identifying that, like 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 with like with reddish for. example example there's a reason that tom thibodeau is playing josh hart 30 minutes a game and was giving cameras gnps there's a reason for it and it's right. not because he's totally incompetent i mean end of the day i mean i i know james if james was here he would uh immediately talk about how bad reddish is and i i mean i i think if we like had a spectrum of believes in cam reddish and thinks cam reddish is absolutely useless James is on the farthest side of the useless scale, but I, I do not, I don't, I didn't think James Cameron was going to do much with this team either. Kind of as it played out, obviously part of that was, I don't think Tibbs ever really liked Reddish. Um, but end of the day, like, I don't, yes, he, he was young. Yes. He's young, but I think sometimes people overplay that being young always means you're going to continually get continuously get better. Right. Again, we saw this with RJ. I mean, he progression is not linear, right? That's, that's an important thing to note here. And then again, like the Knicks needed, like Reddish wasn't shooting the lights out the gym. And if he wasn't going to do that, then what exactly was his role in the offense? That was another yeah. question too. So, um, you know, I, I think one thing Tibbs has done very well is I think he knows who deserves to play and who doesn't deserve to play and who should be involved in the offense heavily and who shouldn't be. Like he's correctly identified, I think, with Toppin, even with Toppin. Like I don't I don't think Toppin is someone that should, like it's a crime that that he's in the role that he's in. I, I yeah. don't really know I mean, what he's supposed I, to do with him. Yeah, I mean, I think Toppin's a guy that in uh in certain situations uh can uh 
under a certain coach under a certain coach in a certain situation can really contribute to a winning team. But I just think right now there's there's really not an open lane that like he can do it too much. And I actually have a theory. I don't want to get too off topic. I have a theory that the Knicks were at points leaning towards trading in this deadline, but decided against it because they were afraid that it would affect the locker room. That is my theory. I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, but I mean, I still think Toppin uh, is, you know, he, he's, he's playing 10, 15 minutes a night. He's, he's contributing in ways, but uh, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, people got people, people were frustrated. I I think even me and you that like, he wasn't playing a lot last year, but I think at the end of the day, Tibbs thought that that Randall would be capable of returning to to somewhat of his form. He was just a year last year for as frustrated as he for as frustrating as he was last year. He was just a year removed of being an All NBA second team player. Uh, so I mean, I think at the I think uh, I don't want to like we're kind of, again we're kind of going on a tangent, but. I think Toppin is a good player, uh, but I ultimately don't really see him carving out a role on the Knicks. I see definitely somewhere he's going to have a role and a team's going to be happy with him. I don't really see that happening on the Knicks as of now. Yeah, and you know one of the points you hit on there was Randall, right? Like you can't blame Tibbs for Randall becoming like you can't say, oh, he be- Randall became all M- sec, uh, you know, all an all NBA player. He's now a two time All Star. Like how how were you supposed to predict that after his first year, right? Like the first year with the Knicks, like you drafted Toppin with the idea that he was going to replace Randall, right? And then Randall just became an unbelievable player. Like you, you, there's there's what what do you really like? Of course, Tibbs is going to play Randall. Right. You know what I mean? And then even towards the end of the year in 2021, we saw Toppin take on a bigger role and that was really exciting. I was like, oh man, like he's here. Right. And then Randall's coming off that bad year. And so it's all kind of shifted towards Toppin over Randall. And then to start the year, Randall's been playing too well. And then Randall plays really well again, make gets his way to an all-star team. And like, it's, it's an unfortunate situation for Toppin. And as you mentioned, not just with the locker room, also the Knicks are down Mitchell Robinson and who is their backup power forward? If they don't, if they trade Toppin, like what do they yeah, do? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was thinking that like maybe we have to get we. Have, I, I was thinking like people have brought up like because we have two open roster spots, so the Knicks will be somewhat players or get mentioned in the buyout market. People brought up like Kevin Love, uh, which I think I would take him, but I wouldn't take anyone out of the rotation, not even Toppin for one, uh, for Love. Uh, he's really bad defensively. I know yeah. he's a year removed of being like a six man of the year candidate, but I mean, if he, I would take him as a depth leadership guy, but if he wanted to be a depth leadership guy, he would have just stuck in Cleveland. Right. At the end of the day, it's, if it was a bad, I think it's telling when a top four seed in your own conference that you are going to be competing with releases a player and does, you know, a player that's been there a while, want a ring there, you know, Come on, like, not that yeah. Love is a horrific. He was player, out of the but... rotation for like two weeks prior right. to his release as well. Like, there's a reason why he was released, right? So, you know, if you want to bring him in for the because his three point percentage is like four percent higher than Obi Toppin, I, I feel like that's not enough to cover for the other aspects of the game, as you mentioned defensively. Is again, especially especially with Mitchell Robinson out, you can't add another guy. I think to the to the rotation who is a complete liability in, in, on the interior side of the defense uh, of the ball defensively, um, but 
you know, I know, like, I feel like there's always this aspect of, you know, grass is always great on the other side where like kind of change is always just considered better. I don't think that's a change that would be considered better. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think kind of my final thoughts here, um, you know, is the Knicks, I think, have put together a roster that's good enough to match up with any of the non like any of the non elite elite teams in the league. They can compete with anybody, right? You know, they're going to, yeah. I think if they were to play Boston a series, I don't think they would like lose in historically bad fashion, but I don't think they, I, I'd be, I, like, I'd be happy if they lost in five. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. the Celtics, you know, like they're yeah. just really good this year. But if they were to play a team like the like the 76ers, who I mean, I, I don't want to like shit on Embiid and Harden, but there is just always that we like they just for some reason, like not Embiid as much, but Harden kind of just always underperforms in the postseason. You feel like they could you could you could maybe push a game six there. Um, and then you know, looking at you know the, the Cavs, obviously, I think we can push them in a series and potentially beat them. The Nets, I think we could beat in a series. I think we're better than them, and then everyone else needs to be better than um, you know. I like how this roster looks considering what we were supposed to, my expectations this year was that this team was going to be kind of a scrappy. Maybe they could be better than other people think they're going to be, which is like other people think they're suck. They suck. This team could be mediocre and that's better than what they think that, you know what I mean? This team's good. Uh, we're yeah, at, this we're very point, good. This is past the point where it's like eliminate this part of the season. This team is good. This team is good. And if you don't think this team is good, you're wrong. I, that's just yeah. how I view it. And I'm very happy with how this team's played so far entering into the all-star break, but Ethan, uh, you know, I don't know if you have anything else to add on. Yeah, not really. All I have to say is that I'm excited. Uh, six game, like, really, like, like you kind of touched on this. Like, we're six games above 500 heading into the All-Star break, and it feels like we've underperformed. Like, it feels like there's so much more on the table that we could have taken advantage of, and we're still six games over 500. I really think, you know, we have the momentum now with Josh Hart uh, now on the team. Uh, I really think that this team is fully capable of going like a second half surge, and I, I I truly believe that we could we we could get like the five seed face the Cavs in the playoffs, and like it be like a really like tough like 50-50 discussion of like people talking about who's going to win that series. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I kind of expected I, when you, I thought you were going to say, I feel like we could run the table. That's the first quote I thought of. That <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying that. <laughs> That'd be, that that, that would have, that, that I think, I think one of our players saying something like that would hit, you know what I mean? Just have that <laughs> image for, just use it for everything. Um, but Ethan, I really appreciate you coming on the pod. Uh, I hope we can have you more often uh, because of quite frankly, I think you add a lot of really good basketball uh, analysis. And again, I've always said this. I think you're like the best blend of like rational and never like super negative where like you're just coming on. You're like, I think if I would have brought on just like anyone else in Knicks world right now and had a conversation about RJ Barrett, it would have been like, this guy fucking sucks, man. Like, I, I hope he fucking. Or, or, or of course, he's, there's, there's still people that are like that, that are like you can never criticize like him. Right. There's both sides. And I think you you kind of have a very nuanced, not just on Barrett, but on everyone. And uh, just most players on the Knicks. I mean, there's not really a player that I can really think of that you're like always uh either over or underrating so i always appreciate having you on the I, show i overrate quickly sometimes no dude quickly though quickly deserves that quickly deserves yeah. that hype because again look at the six man of the year odds guys like overrating quickly is correcting history so i wouldn't I say sorry you're freezing again Sorry, uh, I, I was saying, uh, I, I'd say overrating quickly is correcting history for the uh, poor six man of the year odds. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I would say I may, I might get irrational with him, not overrate him. Gotcha. 
But again, I appreciate you coming on, man. And we'll see you guys the next episode for episode nine. You guys know to follow us on Twitter, follow, uh, give it a like, rate, you know, do all that stuff. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace out.